Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we have a special guest with us. Who is this, Tiffany? This is Amy Knopf, and she is an American like ourselves and an expat here in Rome. She's been living here on and off for several years. And we decided to have her on the show today because unlike, well, first of all, hi. <laughs> hi, thanks for having me. Um, we decided we wanted to have you on mostly because the podcast, we talk a lot about the fact that I'm a long-term expat, having been here for just under 10 years, and Katie is a short-term expat. Yes, only here for a year. And you, on the other hand, are in a kind of different situation, whereas you're someone who, who has been here on and off for quite a while. And you're also in a position in which you are getting ready, or I don't know, maybe you already have made the decision to decide whether or not you want to stay here and continue being an expat or move back home or maybe go somewhere else and be an expat somewhere else. So that's exciting. So maybe we should start with your origin story. How did you end up in Rome? So I studied abroad when I was a junior in college and I studied for a semester here and then I really liked it. So I ended up getting an internship at Vatican Radio for the summer. So I stayed a few months longer and I fell in love with Rome. At that point, I had to go back to the U.S. and finish my last year of college and graduate. So I did that. And then I got the chance to move back to Rome because a woman that I had worked with at Vatican Radio decided to leave Rome and she was leaving her room. So she wrote me and offered me her room. And even though I didn't have a job lined up, I decided to just jump on it and go for it and see what happened. So then you get here and you have no job, but you do have a place to stay. What do you do then? I started out as an illegal tour guide at the Vatican. Sounds familiar. <laughs> Something Tiffany might have also done, which she won't admit to. Well, you know, I just don't like to go into the details. <laughs> yeah, so I did that, but it didn't last very long because I did not like it. We at one point had our passports taken away by the Vatican police because they caught us doing it. After that, I said, I've had enough. I quit that and I, I looked for something else and I was an au pair for a while. And I did not like that either. Mm -hmm. So that didn't last too long. And then I actually lucked out and found the job that I still have today. And I actually found it just three months after I had first moved here in 2002. And what job is that? Working for an agency of bed and breakfasts. The people who own it have a hotel as well. So I also worked in the reception of their hotel for a long time. I kind of did both at the same time. And did you have to know how to speak Italian to do this? For that job, I needed a little bit of Italian. They actually gave me a test. Now, it's my understanding from what Tiffany has told me, and me not knowing you at all, that you have been coming and going, that you're not always in Rome all the time. Um, recently, yes. So I was in Rome from 2002 through 2010. And then I actually moved to Nicaragua for three years. And then I moved back to Baltimore for a while. Didn't end up finding a job or anything there, so I decided to move back to Rome because I had the opportunity to work in the hotel again for a while. So here I am again. We met in sometime in the fall, I think it was, around September of this past year. And your plan was that you were going to stay in Rome until Christmas time, and then it became February, and then it became, no, I'm going to stay till April what uh, what what are you hanging around for? <laughs> Good question. Sometimes I wonder that myself. Yeah, I was. I initially had this opportunity to cover a temporary shift at the hotel, 
But then I kind of just didn't want to go back to Baltimore. I hadn't had a chance to really research jobs again. You know, I was living with my parents while I was there. It wasn't exactly a very easy time. So I was sort of procrastinating a bit, I guess. And I got the opportunity to work at the hotel again for another temporary season. So I said yes, and I extended again. And then I extended again to work in a and b and then I got another opportunity to work in a and b so I've extended again, and after that, I don't know yet. Were you going away just because you thought you weren't going to have work anymore? Or was it because that ultimately you don't really want to live in Rome? That's a very good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have really mixed feelings about Rome, and I, I think anyone who's lived here a long time probably does. I, th- I think Tiffany probably does as well. Mm-hmm. I love Rome. That's why I'm still here, I guess. I've always loved it. There's something about the city that keeps drawing me back. I guess my difficulty with Rome is seeing a real decent future for myself. When you're young, you can kind of make it work and you have different jobs and you you make ends meet and it's fun and Rome is lovely and you go out for an aperitivo with your friends. But then you think, okay, that's that's great for now, but in 20 years, am I still going to be paying rent and not able to afford a car? Am I still going to be doing these little random odds and ends jobs that just are barely scraping enough money together to meet the end of the month? So yeah, you wonder about the future, basically. Let's say, you know, hypothetically, you decide to leave. Do you have any plans about where you would go? <laughs> I'm kind of got uh, a few ideas in my head, and I, I can't seem to come to any sort of decision. I'm a bit lost on what I want to do. Part of me would like to go back to Baltimore and settle down and be around my family and maybe have a more sort of stable life than I've had here. But on the other hand, I have also got the wanderlust, and I'd like to go somewhere else. And I, I actually was thinking about going back to Nicaragua at some point. That would also be a tough decision. No matter what I do, I'm going to be starting over if I leave Rome. Is there something specific about being an expat that doesn't have anything to do with Rome or Italy that is a draw for you? I've thought about this a lot, and I think part of it is that I just don't feel at home in the U.S. And I guess I shouldn't even say the U.S. I guess I should say Baltimore because I haven't actually tried any other place in the U.S. But when I go back to Baltimore, even though I'm from there, I I don't really feel at home anymore. And I find that I don't connect as well with people. I I tend to connect better with people who have a more international background of some sort. And that sounds really pretentious, but... I just find that on some level, when you have a shared experience of living in different cultures, maybe even speaking different languages, you have a different way of looking at things. I've spent more than a third of my life abroad now. All my young adulthood has been abroad. So I've kind of missed out getting my foot in the door as far as good jobs, as far as making you know a group of friends in a certain place. So when I go back there, I kind of feel a little bit, as they would say in Italian, spaisata, a little bit lost, a little bit not quite at home. And I, and it, somehow I always come back to Rome and I feel at home. But even in a different place, I, I feel that. When I was in Nicaragua, even though it was for three years instead of the eight I've been in Rome or whatever, I still felt at home there in some way. Can you compare what it is like to be an expat in Nicaragua versus an expat in Rome and the differences in how you fit into the culture? that's that could be a long conversation I have time (laughs) so okay one big difference that I have in in Rome is that I tend to have a group of friends that are I have a lot of Italian friends but I also have a lot of friends that are foreigners expats not all Americans I have 
friends from lots of different countries. So I've got a real international group here. Whereas in Nicaragua, I never, I never met one other American there. I did actually have some Italian people that I knew, maybe a few other expats from different countries. But my group there happened to be Nicaraguans mostly. So that in itself was different because I was the only foreigner there. Whereas here, I'm kind of more used to being part of a group of international people, I guess. So in a sense, you were even more um, foreign. No, I was going to say that she was even, you were even more absorbed in the culture. If you were hanging out almost always with Nicaraguans. Sort of, because I actually, I lived with an Italian family. So when I was at home, which was a lot of the time, I was still very much an Italian, which is funny because I'm not Italian. You know, I'm American, but by now I feel so Italian in some ways that for me that was normal. But yeah, when I was out and about, like going out with friends, I was mostly hanging out with Nicaraguan people. And I, I guess I did feel more foreign in some ways because it's more of a difference in culture, I guess, than there is between America and Italy. I think I stood out more. I was pretty obvious that I was a gringa. People would spot me on the street and knew I wasn't from there. In that sense, too, you do feel a bit more foreign. What brought you there? I moved there with my ex. He was from there. He had grown up there. We had been living together in Italy for years, and then he wanted to move back. I was happy to move with him and kind of start a new life there. So I moved there with him, and yeah, I was there for three years. And then we broke up, and that's why I left. I have a couple other questions that are totally uh, non-related to each other. So I'm going to ask you one, and then I'm going to try to remember what the other one was. The first one being, we've heard Tiffany talk a lot on the podcast about one of the reasons that she feels like she doesn't ever want to go back to the United States at this point in her life is that she fears having to start over from scratch when she's already built a life up here. Do you feel the same way about returning home or going to somewhere new? Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's one of my main issues, too. And I've tried it. Last year, I was in Baltimore for six months. And when I was there, I thought I was staying. So I was looking for a job and trying to do things, but it, it wasn't I'm not saying it's impossible because I could have stayed longer and I could have made things happen, but it's not easy. I would have to start over. I'd ha I don't really have any friends anymore in that area, so you have to start over at, at a certain age. It's a little harder to make friends, so you'd have to figure out places to meet people and, and make new friends and join maybe activities or things you want to do where you could meet people and hopefully get a job where you would have office mates or work mates that you could become friendly with. And, and then, of course... There's the problem that in your 30s, what I found is that my resume is so crazy with different sorts of jobs. Because I've done, I haven't just worked in tourism, I've done different things in different countries that I think that in America, they don't know what to make of it. So they just keep going and they'll look at somebody who has a more straightforward kind of resume. I mean, they might also think I'm a flight risk because I just got in from Nicaragua and they think, what, what is she doing? But it, it made it difficult for me. So I think when you're in your 30s and you have that sort of background and you don't have your foot in any doors there, for good jobs, they're wanting to hire people who are younger, maybe not fresh out of college, but maybe in their 20s and who are on the road to getting this experience and not somebody who's in their 30s and has been running around the world, basically. But there must be some type of job in which somebody who has been traveling the world and living all over the place, making their life as they can, that has to be a, a skill that people want. There has to be some job where that is what they're looking for. Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> it But certainly it, reflects the American culture. Go anywhere, do anything, you can be anybody. Yeah, I feel like there has to be something. I mean, I think there's, a, you know, as my mother says so um, classily, 
there's a saddle for every ass. And uh, I, we have a friend, Katie and I have a mutual friend. I can't remember what he studied in university. I want to say he studied creative writing. But what he did to make money was he was a barista in a coffee shop and he in Seattle, where, of course, you know, for the United States, that's the coffee mecca. And he became an expert on coffee. Now, you wouldn't really think that a job as a barista had a huge future. But our friend has now become something like one of the world's leading experts on coffee. And the guy flies around the world. He's in Java. He's in Ethiopia. He's in Somalia. He's always everywhere. And he's a coffee consultant. So you could really turn your specific skills that you have into anything, really. That's amazing. That's a great story. It's very helpful. Um, no, I think you're right. I, I don't. I'm not trying to say that it's impossible or or anything like that. I think that the context I was in, which was in the suburbs of a city like Baltimore, the whole international thing isn't necessarily as appreciated. Maybe in certain jobs that I wasn't finding or applying for or something. I know that I have a friend who used to work at the magazine, and she. Um, she went back to the magazine being where tiffany currently works Mm -hmm. sorry (laughs) she went back to new york and she's she while she was in italy she became she was doing travel writing food writing she become became a sommelier and she's doing that in new york now she's making it work but she's in new york i think that's more of an international type of city i know that if i had put more time and effort and maybe directed my search better for a job i probably would have found something i'm not saying it's impossible I, i guess part of it was that I wasn't really enthusiastic about moving back there. I I kind of moved back there as a default. I left Nicaragua and then I thought, where am I going to go? I'll go back to Baltimore and I'll kind of settle down now. But it wasn't really something I was excited to do. It was just sort of a default for me. Here's a question. Why look to move to somewhere like Nicaragua or somewhere else in Europe other than looking to live in a different city in the United States? Great question. I, I've thought about living in a different city in the U.S. as well. I I just feel more at home not in the U.S. now, which is pretty crazy. I come back to Rome not necessarily because I'm dying to come back to Rome because it sort of feels like home now. So where do you go when everything else is maybe you don't have your job anymore, your relationship, whatever. You don't really have anything anymore. And so where do you go? You go home. I've been in Rome so long, it feels like Rome. So this is where I have job contacts. Although I don't, you know, really have a steady job. I always make ends meet. I can always manage to patchwork together different things and make ends meet. I wasn't even doing that in the six months I was in Baltimore. Where do I have friends? I have them here in Rome. Doesn't necessarily mean that I'm dying to be here, to be honest. It's just where I feel more at home. And who knows, maybe I will find out eventually that I keep coming back here because this is actually where I want to be. Or maybe I will find out, as I feel right now, that it's just coming back home, figuring things out, and then deciding what to do next. Are you glad you went abroad? Yeah. I mean, okay, I see my friends at home in the U.S. who are married, and they have kids, and they have a job, and they have a house, and I see what they're doing. And I and I do feel a little bit envious of that sometimes. And I, But I know that they're envious of me of having this international experience. I guess there have been times when I've felt like, well, if I'd never come to do this, and if I've never come to Rome and hadn't spent the last 10 years here, then I would probably be making a nice living. I would probably have a good job. I would probably be more settled down, maybe with a house. Maybe I'd be married. Maybe I'd have kids. Who knows? So sometimes I think about that, but I, I really don't regret coming. I, I think it's it's such a huge part of who I am. I can't imagine who I would be if I'd never come here. 
Do you still see those sorts of things happening for yourself if you keep moving around the world? Mm, good question. I, I don't know. I, I think so. I mean, I think if that's what you want, it could happen anywhere, really. For instance, if you want to meet somebody and start a family, it depends on the person you're meeting as well. If they're kind of a, a bit of a nomad like you are, then great. Or willing to move. Or If it's somebody who's in one place, then that's different. It just depends who you meet and, and how things go, I guess. And as far as jobs, right now is the perfect time to be wandering around the world because we have the opportunity to use the internet to do so many different types of jobs. And a generation ago, that did not exist, which is really lucky. Absolutely. My unrelated question, which is becoming more and more related as this conversation goes on, is what do your parents think? Oh, they're used to it. They thought it was a phase and I'd be back in a couple of years. But the longer I've been gone, the longer I've, they've realized that I may or may not be coming back. And I think they're just kind of Okay. Do you ever get like the question? I get the question all the time that, why don't you just move back home? I mean, I'm married now, you know, to an Italian. And I still get that question every time I uh, complain if something's just not going well here or something's driving me crazy. I sometimes get that question. Why don't you just move home? Do you get that? I used to get that a lot. And I don't, I don't as much anymore. But I think it's because I've been, I've been gone since I was 21. And I'm 33 now. So <laughs> I think people are used to it. I do have friends. My friends in the U.S. I think sometimes think I'm kind of crazy. I mentioned to a friend of mine the idea of possibly moving back to Nicaragua. And she said, why would you pick the one country your ex is in? I think my friends just don't know. They're used to it, too. But they kind of don't know what to make of me. They don't really get it. Unless they're people who have been living abroad themselves here. I know my parents would be thrilled if I moved back, and I have a little niece now, and I'm very close to my, my brother and his wife, and, and, I, and in that way, I'd really love to be back there. But they don't really bug me about it. I think I've always sort of done whatever I want. Anyway, <laughs> they're kind of used to me. Now, I have a question for you, Katie. Do you feel that when you move back, I guess you won't know until you're there, but do you feel like maybe you're going to feel a little bit differently from your friends that have never lived outside the U.S., maybe never lived outside of Washington State, now that you've had this almost year-long international experience? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I will feel like I abandoned my new tribe of expats. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, you'll, you'll definitely be <laughs> breaking my heart, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, of course I will, I think, because my whole perspective has shifted from the experience. And, I mean, I'm sure it would shift even more if I was gone for longer, but... I don't think you can move abroad and not be changed in some fundamental way, whether it be for good or for ill. And I definitely feel I'm a different person than the person who left. Not so different that they'll meet me at a bar for the first time after I get home and be like, oh my gosh, who is this person? I don't even recognize her, but... Who is this girl in the stiletto smoking a cigarette and... <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, but so not so different that they wouldn't recognize me as the Katie that they know and love. But I feel different. My, my main fear is how quickly it's going to wear off, particularly because at the moment we're heading back toward Seattle, which is where I've lived and had for exactly that same reason. That's where all my professional contacts are. And a lot of my work experience has been in Seattle. So I worry that we'll come back feeling like we were gone for a really long time and that this big, huge experience happened and we're to change to individuals. But really, we've only been gone for a year and... A year goes by pretty quick when you're living in the same place that you've always lived for everyone else. And so for them, it will seem like we were gone for a while, but not that long. And everything could just be rolling on as it always is rolling on. So I'm worried about how fast I'll just become a part of that. 
normal rolling on again. Do you think that you might feel the desire to move abroad again in the future? Yeah, sure, definitely. Just doing it, taking the jump, makes it seem more possible to do it again in the future. But I have a question for you, too, because with two long-term expats in the room, do you think that there's something fundamental to the personality of long-term expats that you guys could say you have in common? I don't know. I think that to be a long-term expat, I think you need to be adaptable and you need to be able to get used to a different way of life. 21 years of your life for Amy or for the first 26 years of your life for me, 26 years is long. It's a long time to live in one place for me. Uh, <laughs> so you're talking about your native, your native country. Yeah. I mean, just getting used to, I mean, there are people who who move abroad for maybe shorter periods of time or they, they know that maybe they're just going to stay for a year and they never get used to it and they don't think that they want to and they take it as an experience and they're like okay you know that was fun but I, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to do that forever whereas if you're a long-term expat I mean for me I don't know that I'm going to live here for the rest of my life but it's definitely a possibility so I have to know that I'm going to be willing to be here forever and never go back to my the way of life that I grew up with so I guess that's one thing I definitely think you're right about adaptability there has to be an open-mindedness about different cultures, not being judgmental. That is something that when oh you've... God, I'm so judgmental. <laughs> Shoot, I'm doing it wrong. Fail. No, but it's something, you know, if you've lived here a long time, it's tempting because you get frustrated by things. It's tempting to be judgmental. But I think we always have to keep in mind there's not a right or, or wrong way of doing things. It's not that one country does it better and one country does it worse. Although I will say that Italians park worse than Americans. But that's, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. It's, no, it's, it's, I you know what I it's mean, not though. worse, Tiffany. It's just different. You know what? They're creative when it comes to parking. They're more creative. That's how you have to think of it. <laughs> but you were saying it's not that one country does it better or worse. Yeah, I think if you get into the territory of really being judgmental and really complaining all the time and really feeling like for instance here in Italy that they're doing things wrong and this is we do it better maybe that's the point that's the breaking point that's the time you've had enough and it's time to go <laughs> I, I think I must be inherently a judgmental person I don't know <laughs> but I know that whenever I'm in the states I'm always feeling and hopefully not expressing judgment against Americans and being like oh my these Americans, they don't know what they're doing. You know, they need to do it like this. Or they, in Italy, you know, in Italy, you eat like this. Or in Italy, you da, da, da. And when I'm in Italy, it's the opposite. It's, mm -hmm. oh, these Italians, you know, in America, I'm thinking we drive correctly. And we, you know, if someone's in the crosswalk, we stop. So it's like you've become stateless. Yeah, well, it's 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 actually sad because instead of looking on the bright side of both cultures, I'm always looking on the, the dark side of both cultures. So you have I a thing to learn from me. I, yeah, I need to learn that from you. Well, I'm, I'm trying to sound very positive, but I feel the same way you do sometimes. It's it's hard. And I have three countries to care. So I'm always saying, oh, in Nicaragua, they would do this. Or, oh, in Italy, they would do that. And in America, too, I, I really have to keep my mouth shut sometimes to not sound pretentious or annoying or obnoxious because there are things that I'm thinking like, why do people here do this? It's a hard thing to do. Yeah, I guess you have to try to take the best from every culture without commenting, I guess. This may be an impossible question to answer, but what is it that makes you willing to give up the idea of ever going home? I don't know. That's I don't know if I can answer that because... I asked because you said one of the things of a long-term expatriate needs to be willing to accept the idea that you might never go home. Yeah. And what makes you willing is what I'm asking. That's a hard question, but I think because I have found such a, a niche here, 
I have to admit that part of it is being married and feeling like I have a real home and even a family here. I feel very safe here now. I don't think I would have felt that when I'd only been here maybe three or four years. I don't know. Do you have an answer? It's a hard question. It's a hard question. I'm definitely not answering properly. (laughs) And I don't feel like I am willing to give up the idea of ever going home. And I think that's part of the reason I'm so tortured. And I'm always trying to figure out what what am I doing next? What, What country am I going to? Because I don't want to give up the idea of any of them. I in an ideal world, I would be rich and just jetting between maybe three different countries that I love and having a house in each of them and spending part of the year in each of them. That would be ideal, wouldn't it? Oh, yes. <laughs> just, I don't know why, just you saying that made me think. So you've lived in these three countries, which Nicaragua sounds like you kind of went there almost by chance because your boyfriend was from there. Italy, you came because you had a study abroad program. Does that almost make you feel like any country where you could have gone, you would have fallen in love with equally? Probably. That's a question Derek asks me all the time, too, about loving Rome. Yeah, and I, I've actually also considered going somewhere else next because... You might love it just as much. Yeah, and, and there's other places in Europe that interest me and that I think would have a higher quality of life than Rome. And I was in Berlin last weekend, and my friend who lives there said, why don't you move to here? I could totally see you here. And I thought, hmm. But I'm almost kind of nervous about doing that because I I get really attached to places. I kind of feel like I've left a piece of my heart in every place I've lived. Even if I go into the old neighborhoods I used to live in, I get a little bit, you know, sentimental about it. So it might be dangerous for me to keep trying more countries because I'm splitting your soul every time you went to a new place. You had to split it again. You're like me. It's happening to you by chance. And you're able to find the, the joy within wherever it is that you end up. It just is exactly what we've been talking about because I'm facing the very real reality that I have to be heading home and thinking, oh, if only we could figure out a way to stay for a little longer. It wasn't long enough. And what could we do and all these things? And Derek saying the same thing. Maybe it's not that you love here. It's just that you will love anywhere. You loved Seattle, too. And remember when we were going to move to Rome, you were, oh, I don't know. It's I was excited about it, but I was also mooning around the apartment and going out with my friends and being like, I'm going to miss this place so much. So maybe it's this that you're able to throw yourself wholeheartedly into wherever it is that you are. That's part of being adaptable, and I think it's a great quality to have. There's a lot of optimism in that. I also think it makes it harder, though, because when you come to a point where you have to make a decision about what you're going to do, then it makes it really hard to make a decision because you love everything. Okay, I want to end with one thing that's totally unrelated. Going way back to the very beginning of this conversation, when you were an illegal tour guide at the Vatican, will you tell us the story about when you got caught by the Vatican police? Oh, okay. I'm sure Tiffany knows all about this, but uh, basically they have these groups, they're cultural associations, and they're giving tours inside St. Peter's and the Vatican museums, and they're not supposed to be. So I worked for one of these, and I was just gathering people. So you're not supposed to gather people inside the St. Peter's Square. You can solicit outside the piazza in Rome, but inside the piazza you're not supposed to because that's Vatican. That's the Vatican ground. The guy that I worked for insisted always that we solicit inside the square, which was pretty dumb on his part. So anyway, one time we got caught by undercover cops and they came up whistling very casually and then they asked us to come with them. And so they took us to the Vatican police station And they took all our passports and we stood around outside waiting. And I guess they were just checking to make sure none of us were criminals or anything. But then they came out and they gave us our passports back and they gave us a warning about not soliciting in the the square anymore. 
I mean, that's pretty much all there was to it. It wasn't that dramatic, but it was enough that I just thought, I'm, I'm so done with this. I've been solicited outside of the square many times. A person says, hey, do you speak English? Are you going to the Vatican? Vatican Museum? Vatican? You know, and you're like, no, I'm not going to the Vatican Museum. Get away from me. <laughs> Which makes me wonder from both of you, what was it like to, is that what you went through all day long? People like me going, not going there. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, this is going back a long time for me. I never did the do you speak English line. A lot of people did that. That will get your attention. Somebody comes up to you, do you speak English? If you speak English, you're going to stop because you think that person needs your help. And I was always against that, and I, and I hated the people who did that. I would just go up to people and start a conversation. A lot of times they just wouldn't give you the time of the day, and I would always just say, okay, thanks, have a good time. I was actually kind of polite and probably didn't make half of the money that a lot of other people did. But I didn't get treated too badly because I think I was treating people fairly. What would you start a conversation about? Yeah, do you hate Amy because she started her conversations that way? <laughs> she never said that. That was you who, said, who brought up the do you speak English thing. I did, though, because we were told to. Uh-huh. Yeah. How would you start? It's been so long ago, but I think I would say something like, if you're on your way to the Vatican Museums, you know, there's a tour starting soon. And then I would start to talk about the tour and I would tell them, you know, all the things that they would learn and how much more interesting it would be and how much more they would get out of it. And, you know, if they walked off in the meantime, then they walked off. But a lot of times people would listen. What did you do? I think I almost always started with, do you speak English? Because that's what we were told to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it didn't work that well because you know, I'd see people with guidebooks in their hands in English, and they would say, uh, no, and walk away. <laughs> but I, I hated that. That job was not for me for many reasons, but one of which is that I'm not at all a pushy person or to feel like I'm being invasive. I, I'm quite shy, too, yeah. so it was really hard for me to go up and, like, be in people's faces when they didn't want you to be. It takes a very specific type of person to be a salesperson mm-hmm. in general, no matter what kind of salesperson you are. You know, it's... It's not easy. You have to have a certain kind of chutzpah, and you have to kind of not care what people think of you. And that's hard, especially for for women. I hate to say it, but it's harder for us, I think. Now, since there are people soliciting and selling things in almost every single country that you'll ever visit, if you go around the world, from your experience, is there a way that I should be turning the tour guides down that would make you feel better as former solicitors? If they're nice to you, say, no, thanks oh, no, actually, I've already been, or no, I'm not interested, or I just appreciated that. I never asked people why. I think politeness goes a long way. Most people, if you just give a polite no thanks, they're going to leave you alone. Actually, I just had a great idea, though. One other thing I would say is if you know you're not interested, don't let the person keep going and keep going. I made this mistake as a person who was being solicited when I was in Cape Cod many years ago, long before I moved to Rome, I was in Cape Cod and this guy was trying to sell me a boat tour to like go and spy on the Kennedys. <laughs> okay. Now I could care less about the Kennedys. I've never been a fan of the Kennedys. And this guy was, how, oh, you're going to see this Kennedy and that Kennedy. I don't even know if any of them are alive anymore. But, uh, you know, I didn't want to be rude. And so I was letting this guy do his spiel because I didn't want to interrupt him and say, I'm not interested. So I waited for him to get to the end of his 10 minute spiel. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm really not interested. I don't like the Kennedys. And he looked so dumb, you know, just so upset. Not that I'd said no, but that he wasted 10 minutes of his work day on me. I didn't realize that until I was in the other position. I was selling something and saying, oh, you're going to see the Raphael rooms. You're going to see this painting and over and over. 
And, you know, you'll usually get that with the Northern Europeans who are very polite and they'll just sit there and wait till you to finish and say, no, thank you, you know, and walk off. Don't do that. Just be curt. Interrupt the person and say, no, I'm not interested. Maybe he was just disappointed because he didn't like the Kennedys and he was really passionate about the Kennedys. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> All right, I have one more question, and then I'm, I'm going to be done. This dead. is like a double-length podcast. I know, I'm so sorry. My one last question for you is how you've really changed since becoming an expat and living abroad for so long from how you were growing up. What would you say? I think the main thing is that I've become a lot more outgoing than I used to be. Because when I was growing up, I was always quite shy and introvert. And I think once you are, you always are to some extent. But you are forced to be more outgoing when you come to a country where you don't speak the language. It's just part of life. You have you can't, for instance, learning the language, you can't be shy about speaking it and practicing it. It can be embarrassing when you know you're speaking it and you're doing terribly and you sound like an idiot, but you can't. You can't worry about that because if you don't practice, you won't learn it. So I remember when I came here studying abroad, I probably didn't eat for two days because I was too shy to try my Italian and figure out how to order food, you know? And I think I was even too shy to point. I mean, I really, I honestly, there was a while I didn't eat at first. And now, you know, even having been traveled in different countries where I don't speak the language, I was just in Paris and I, I don't know any French at all. And I just would try or I would I would say, do you speak English? You just, you can't be shy when it comes to learning a language, when it comes to being in a different culture. And I, and I think Italians being so direct helped me learn that because most Italians don't have any problem saying what they think and what they want. And I've actually learned from that. I mean, I think there's limits. You have to be polite about it and everything. But I've learned to be a lot more assertive as well about what I want. And I think that's something I've picked up from this particular culture. Maybe if I had moved to like Japan, I wouldn't have learned that so much because it's a different type of culture. I guess the two things would definitely be being more outgoing in general and also assertive in the sense of knowing what you want and being able to say it and not be shy about it. Does living abroad help you figure out what you want easier, less distractions? No, it's made a big confusion of my brain as far as what I want and where I want to be. But I mean, once you figure it out, you're way more assertive. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, we should end it there. Thank you for for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. This is The Bittersweet Life. Join us next week. Thanks for all the ways you support us. Give us a good rating on iTunes, maybe five stars if you like the show. It will help other people discover that we exist. Thank you. You're the best.